Welcome. You're listening to the Granary Young Adults podcast, Unapologetic, a fortnightly podcast where we don't avoid hard conversations, we aim for them. In each episode, we talk about the contentious, taboo and uncomfortable, the topics that no one is speaking about, but everyone is talking about. If you don't want to be challenged, this is not the podcast for you. These aren't sermons or lectures, they're conversations to challenge and activate dialogue as we dig into what God wants to teach us. I'm Rachel Baker, the Young Adults Pastor at the Granary Church. Thanks for listening in, and we hope today's episode challenges and blesses you today. Our next guest is Angela McPherson. Thanks for joining us, Ange. Thanks, Rachel, and it's a pleasure to be here. Good to have you here in my lounge room. <laughs> um, so today uh, you have joined us, and I just was, for some context, wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself for those that might not know you. I am an attendee of the granary Mm -hmm. and I have been going there for 13 years now. Um, I have a husband, Brad, who a lot of you would know. And I have two children as well, um, Emerson and Judah, who also go to church with us. Yeah. And you, what do you do for work, Ange? I work at the University of Newcastle um, in the research office, helping researchers to apply for grant funding to fund their research. Um, And besides all those impressive things that you do. Um, Ange is also one of my closest friends. So um, I'm excited to have her here today. Before we get stuck into the podcast and what we're going to talk about, because Angela and I are quite close friends, we also can talk quite candidly to each other. But that doesn't mean that the conversation that we're going to be having isn't a difficult one. So this is just a bit of a trigger warning for anybody. We will be talking about a few sensitive topics. Um, So we just want to make sure that everybody is prepared for um, some of the topics that we're going to talk about today. Ange and I, a while back when we started talking about Sharing on a podcast actually had a different topic in mind. This seems to be happening a little bit. But um, our hearts and just sort of God's prompting led us in a different direction. So I'm just going to open the floor to you, Ange. Um, Yeah, as you said, we originally had wanted to talk about something else. But God really put it on my heart that he what I'm about to share is something that he really wanted me to share as part of my story and a part of his involvement in my life over, over my life. So when I was in high school, I had sort of a difficult home life. My parents were, my mother had moved away and I was living with my dad and he was kind of emotionally and physically unavailable. He worked shift work and I didn't see him very much. Mm. So my main source of support became my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And I was also struggling a lot with grief and loss and depression from my mom um, not being there because I didn't want her to move away. But um, yeah, so what ended up happening was I ended up getting pregnant my senior year of high school. So I was 18 years old at the time. And because I wanted to go to uni and I had, you know, all these plans for my life, I ended up choosing to get an abortion, which has then had effects that have lasted my whole life long. And yeah, and it's really affected my relationship with God and myself and pretty much, well, every part of my life. Were you a Christian at that point in your life while you were in high school? When I was growing up, I was raised Lutheran, but we didn't go to church as a family. However, I did have friends that I would sometimes go to church with. So I did have a relationship with God, but it wasn't a growing relationship. It was just... um 
like I prayed and talked to God, but I didn't have any foundational knowledge of, of him or the Bible or anything. You obviously hadn't chosen at this point. You said you, you were in high school. You hadn't chosen your field of career. What was that thought process, I guess, that happened? Like, where were you at at mm. that time? It was a very difficult decision and very painful and one that I agonized over. Um, even though I wasn't a Christian, I was aware of God and and that he didn't like abortion. And that actually did weigh quite heavily in my decision, even though I wasn't following him at that time. Mm. Um, and I, And there was also shame. There was shame about being pregnant in high school and there was shame about choosing an abortion even though there was you know there's always the pro-life point of view I still felt shameful and I didn't want to do it but I just felt like I didn't have any other options and the people around me at the time that I went to for counsel were all counseling me to do to go ahead with it um my mother and other people close to me they were also saying like if you don't do it then you know your life is going to be ruined and you're not going to have the same opportunities and they weren't offering me support in helping to raise the baby so I really felt like I didn't have any other option and I thought that it would solve the problem at the time because I was in so much um, I had so much anxiety and stress I thought that would just end all that whereas if I had to raise a baby I didn't know what that was going to look like. So at the time you mentioned pro-life, so you were aware of sort of that pro-life, pro-choice argument that Mm -hmm. was going on. Did that weigh into how you were feeling about it or what what were your thoughts of that? Yeah, I think it was impressed upon me that I did have that choice and that was my decision to make. And it was very much couched in my decision. It didn't really matter what my boyfriend wanted, even though he also wanted me to go through with the abortion. Um, So I think that did weigh quite heavily into my decision, although at the whole entire time that I was making the decision and up to that point, I was aware of that it wasn't the right decision, if that makes sense. It wasn't, Hmm. it wasn't a life-giving decision. I just felt like it wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I couldn't articulate why. Now I would say it was the Holy Spirit, but at the time I wouldn't have known that Mm. but yeah I can definitely say that I did feel like I was doing the wrong thing even though it was an acceptable choice by society so that sort of like my body my choice argument did you feel empowered by being able to have that choice like when you decided to have an abortion did you feel like you had control oh absolutely yep basically I was picking my life my life path um yeah How did you feel um, after you'd gone in for the abortion? Did you feel how you expected after that? No, I was devastated, to be honest. I was, it was a devastation. It was a loss of hope, a loss of life in a way for me. I mean, obviously for my child as well. But for me, it just took the essence of life out of me. And that's hard to it's hard to articulate or understand unless you've been in that situation, but it was like I had gone to a place that I couldn't return from. And it actually plagued me for years and years and years. I mean, to this day, it still affects me, but it very negatively affected my life for years afterwards, probably all the way up until I found God. 
something that we were just talking about before um, we pressed record was that even the process of us having this conversation the first time, I remember you sharing with me Mm. um, that you'd had an abortion and I could tell how nervous you were to share that with me. Do you want to maybe share a little bit about the process of sharing that information with people and and what leads you to tell people and why and when? Yeah, um, it's funny. Since I've become a Christian, God has asked me to share this story um, on multiple occasions, not widely, but with certain people that I trust um, or that might need to hear it. And I'm actually really grateful for that because it gives me, it, it brings something good out of a really bad situation. And I'm hoping that maybe today I'll be able to reach some people that might need to hear this. So, um, yeah, it is very difficult. It's, in a way, it's almost more difficult in Christian circles just because of the judgment and the shame surrounding it and not knowing. Like, I feel like when I tell people that are Christian, I have to edit my story and I have to put disclaimers in and say, oh, well, you know, it's because of this or that. And even though, you know, I wasn't a practicing Christian at the time and I've since received God's grace and forgiveness, there's always going to be that element of shame. Now, this is specific in your own story, but I think we could say that shame is a result of recognizing our own sinful nature. Would you say that abortion is a sin? Is that why you felt shame in this area? I think this comes down to the whole debate, right? Like pro-life and pro-choice. The pro-choice people are going to say, well, who are these Christians that are telling me that I'm wrong or that I don't have a right to choose? But if we put it the way from God's perspective, which I think as Christians we should do, he created us. And that is a miracle every single time. And it doesn't matter what the human circumstances are. God still chose to create that being and that soul. And really, who are we to say he's wrong in doing that? And I know a lot of people won't agree with me when I say that, but a lot of the debate for abortion goes back to when is the actual fetus a person? And, you know, the original Roe versus Wade ruled that they're not a person until they're born. Hmm. So in the womb, you can choose you have the right to choose whether or not they get to live. Mm. Um, And I know that's been, you know, debated back and forth a lot. But from my experience, I would say, yes, it is a sin because it's taking God out of the equation and we need to be able to trust him and to trust what's right for our lives. In saying that, I didn't, get into the situation where I had to make this decision because I was living a godly life. I was having, you know, sex outside of marriage. If you're going to do, make choices like that, yeah, then you also have to be ready to deal with the consequences. And I was far too young to understand all of that. Mm. I was succumbing to peer pressure and what my peers were doing and what was cool and, you know, what my boyfriend wanted me to do. But I wasn't listening to God. And if I had been listening to God, I wouldn't have found myself in that position. Mm. So I think it's really easy to, one, judge the decision that we make. And then after you've made the decision, you could hide behind the whole, you know, I have a right to choose. But what about what you did before? Mm. 
and and what about those sins as well i mean you don't get to where you are without making choices so yeah i think it's just something that we all need to consider for ourselves you know it's an extreme outcome but god gives us clear rules because he loves us and because he wants what's best for us and he doesn't want us to have to make these choices and suffer these consequences yeah i remember in high school the conversation was always what if i were raped and i felt pregnant mm. what what then yeah well a lot of people told me that i made the right decision because i did what was best for the child like how unfair for the child to be growing up in those circumstances that i would have brought them into without money and you know all of those things mm. but that totally takes god out of the equation what about watching what God would have done in that situation. You know, it's his, he, he promises to take care of us. You know, he feeds the sparrows. He, there's nothing that he doesn't care about. If I mm. would have had the faith to trust him at that time, who knows where I would have been today and what my life would have looked like. And I'm not going to sit here and say that if I would have made that decision, my life wouldn't be as good as it is now, because mm. I don't believe that. I believe God would have done something amazing in my life and he would have had another person to work through as well mm. so i feel like it's a bit of a cop out to say those things now look i haven't been in that situation where i've been raped and then have to make that decision and i would never condemn anyone who did that but um i think ultimately our responsibility as christians is to trust god mm. It's, it feels heavy because you feel like um, there's so many what ifs. And so, like you're saying, it's trusting God in the good and in the bad as well. And yeah. there'll always be something that we all experience that's a really challenging time. Um, and I think that that's really important then in those moments that the church community actually comes around and supports. Yeah. Because if you feel lonely and shameful about something that's happened and you don't have access to a community that loves God and, mm. and loves you. Yeah. It's devastating. Um, yeah, that really breaks breaks people. Mm. And so it's part of our responsibility, like you said as well, just to be loving and, um, you know, around people that need, need that help. Yeah, so I really feel like it's important not to make decisions based on fear. So all of the decisions that you were just talking about are all fear-based, you know, mm. if I was raped, what would it look like if I had this child? That's a fear sentiment. It's not It's not from God. And I think we need to be careful and evaluate why are we making the decisions we're making and who's actually feeding into that. Some of those examples are pretty raw and specific to your own experiences. But were there ever times or do you think there's ever a place or a time for Christians to be pointing out some of those pitfalls or um, areas of sin in other people's lives is that ever a useful thing and how do you think that plays into the abortion debate some people are so wrapped up in the ab abortion debate and have made almost an identity around it in some ways like you know they're either pro or against and when you've actually experienced it that's not helpful either of those stances mm. because it's about what you've had to go through yourself and every person's different and they make decisions for whatever multitude of reasons that they make but i dare say that hardly any of them are actually wanting to make that decision or happy with the outcome and i feel like sometimes that's missed in the debate i feel like a lot of people 
you know, they put these slogans on their cars or their, you know, on their Facebook pages or whatever. And what is the aim of that? The aim is to raise awareness, but the effect for people who've gone through it is shame mm. because you're not proud of your decision. And to read something like that only reinforces that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's painful. It's painful to be reminded of a mistake that you've made over and over again. Yeah. And it what it does is I think it removes the person out yeah. of the the narrative, right? Like wouldn't we rather as Christians be seeing how somebody's actually doing and walking alongside them, mm. um, meeting them where they're lonely and hurting and in pain rather than um, rubbing their noses in yeah. the things that they haven't done perfectly. I mean, as us being Christians who are, yeah. you know, blameless in anything, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, just I think, like you're saying, maybe – it's a call for all of us to just stop and consider what we think we're communicating and what we're actually communicating by um, using those kind of broad um, messages that we yeah. put out there. And I wish that someone would have come alongside me with that message of love and acceptance at that time or even in the time after when I was really struggling because it Christians that use shame and... Um, condemnation actually push people away from God and I needed God the most at that time and all the messages from the Christians was that you did the wrong thing you're not acceptable to be a Christian or to be in that group whereas that's what I needed I needed those people to show me love I was already hating myself I didn't need anyone else to hate me more what was the process of sharing with friends and, and um, sharing even with Brad, your husband? Um, did you find that difficult to sort of to almost accept people's love for you, even when you shared that information? I was always really nervous to share it with people um, because, well, Christians in particular, only because I thought they would reject me or, you know, I'd get kicked out of the church or whatever. I remember... When I did become a Christian, which was many years after this happened, I actually had to have a chat. This was for my own my own peace of mind. I had to have a chat with Sue, the senior pastor, because I felt like I wouldn't be allowed to become a Christian because I'd done this, which is ridiculous. But I didn't know the gospel at that time. And I didn't know God's, you know, I just knew that Christians thought abortion was wrong. Yeah. So I didn't understand that there could be acceptance as well or love on top of that. What do you think was, besides God, obviously, but how did you get to the point of working through some healing around this? So that's actually a bit of a long story, so hopefully you'll bear with me. Um, So after I had the abortion and went off to college, I was just plunged into a circle of despair and many years of clinical depression. And when I look back on it, I can see that I had had a faith before I made the decision, although it was an immature and misguided and a faith that wasn't fully developed. I still had that. But after the abortion, I felt like God couldn't love me anymore. Mm. And that wasn't the truth, but that's what the enemy told me. And that's what I believed. Yeah. So I, I just lived in darkness and despair and started making decisions that were based on what the world thought was right and um, not weighing up the consequences. And 
suffered a lot in the process and many years of counseling and depression and I ended up going through a divorce during that time and you know it sounds like a bit it sounds a bit extreme to blame it all on this one decision but this one decision affected me so much that I couldn't love myself anymore and I couldn't except anybody would love me because I was dirty and shameful and horrible. And I also had this, um, I don't know what you call it, but grief, I guess, for the child that I had given up. Um, And I never could feel, I couldn't feel happy because, because I hadn't, I hadn't loved someone enough to value their life. It's hard to hear because I think my heart just, goes out to that time and how I wish that one of us could have been there and that would have made all the difference Mm. or even if I just had faith I think I could have come through so much stronger and so much more whole well I actually I would have made a different decision if I had faith at that point but in terms of healing like I said, I went through a lot of lost years, I guess is the best way to put it, where I was looking for love and acceptance and an identity that I just couldn't find in the world. And, you know, this is part of my testimony as well. But God was pursuing me during that time, but I just could not believe that he would want me. I kept rejecting him at every corner, every turn, because I was like, didn't believe that he he would love me. So um, when I actually moved to Australia, I went through another um, trying time for other reasons and just really ended up at the bottom of a pit. And I was like, mm. I can't do this anymore, God. Like, no, I didn't say it to God, but I was like, I don't want to live anymore. That's, it's not worth it. There's nothing good in life. And due to the grace of God at that time, some people actually told me to come to the granary. Um, this was in 2009. And I walked through the doors and God met me there. And honestly, I haven't looked back. My Mm. life is so different now. And it's because God has allowed me to accept his love and his acceptance of me, which Mm. has finally allowed me to forgive myself for the decision I made and to know that I'm loved and to be able to accept that. Mm. It's been actually one of the pleasures of my life is watching Ange grow spiritually um, because I met Anne shortly after she walked through the doors of the granary. Yeah. Makes me just want to tear up because Anne just such an inspiration to me and seeing the change in Anne and in her life over these years has just been awe-inspiring and just so encouraging because I think everybody holds pain and shame for different things and watching that actually play out in somebody's life, that healing and that freedom that comes with knowing God and feeling forgiven and being able to sow into a friend's life and, um, yeah, watch them grow is just such a blessing and so encouraging. I guess what I would ask you then is for people who might be sitting listening to this and feeling shame about something or being in a similar situation or feeling lonely what would you say to them I would say that God can do anything and if you ask him to help you he will help you and it may not be the way you think but we do have to give it over to him and allow him to do it and direct it Um, some things that I found helped me to overcome my shame was that 
to know God's truth about who I was. He says, you know, we are a new creation in him. And I needed that because I didn't like the old creation. And that was life-giving to me because I didn't want that old Ange. I wanted a new Ange and I wanted to be, I wanted to be different. So yeah, that was pivotal for me. And also about his love for us because I didn't have that love in my life and I didn't have acceptance and I couldn't give it to myself either after I made that decision. So experiencing his love allowed me to be able to love myself and other people and to let those chains fall away. And that's something I'm still growing in. It's still hard for me to accept sometimes, Mm -hmm. but that's the journey that I'm on. You've said a few times that, um, that that acceptance would have helped. What does acceptance look like? Does that look, would that have looked to you at the time like condoning something or how does that look different? That's a hard question because I still had to make the decision, right? So if someone could have said, look, God loves you no matter what you choose because that's the truth and, you know, he would prefer you to do not have the abortion because that's what he wants for your life maybe I could have accepted that truth but it's hard because there's so much of the debate is you know pro-life or anti-abortion so it's hard God's love isn't in that debate it's there is no acceptance it's just you either agree for one or the other that's interesting it's like the debate has turned it into a legalism it's an argument about who's right or who's right or wrong yeah it's a black and white thing as opposed to sharing god with somebody yeah Yeah. i think if i would have had someone at that point speaking god's love and promises into my life Mm. maybe i would have had the courage to choose not to have an abortion because I could have, I was, the reason I had the abortion was because I was fearful. I didn't know how I was going to raise a baby, how, what it was going to do to my life, you know, and a lot of that was myself and my own insecurities, but a lot of it was the enemy as well. And there was no answering voice to that because I didn't have a foundation in God. I didn't have a faith. So I had nothing to counteract those influences on me. So if I would have had a Christian person praying for me and, advocating for me and saying you know here are your options you know we can get you help to raise this child or you know god has a plan for you no matter if you know even if you have a baby there's still a plan on your life like that wasn't really an option for me i thought if i had this baby that was it my life was over so i think having that influence would have been would have made it a lot different for me are there any bible verses that Um, you find encouraging so anything that even with encouraging somebody promises that you're talking about are there any that sort of stand out that you would sort of say these are great verses to share with somebody or that have been helpful to you on my journey it's been different verses but one of the pivotal ones for me was psalms 103 12 where it talks about god um throws your transgressions as far as east is from west he removes them from you Mm. which I so needed to hear because I couldn't forgive myself for what I'd done so to know that God doesn't even remember them like he Mm. just it's as far away from you as it can possibly get yeah 
um, that was really pivotal for me. So it was kind of saying to me, well, if I can't forgive myself, I'm putting myself in God's shoes and I'm, I'm acting like him and not accepting his forgiveness in the blood of his son, which is pretty serious. You know, you don't, you don't want to put yourself in that position. Mm. So being able to understand that was a huge one. And also the, um, second Corinthians five seventeen, which says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So I said that before, you know, God does make you brand new. And that's the, you know, I guess part of what we were talking about before about sharing this story with Christians, it's part of that too, because my life is so different now from what it used to be, that this old part in a way doesn't fit in my new life. Mm. So telling people about it is really like takes a lot of courage and it's scary because you think, what are they going to think of me? Like, Mm. are they going to, am I going to lose value in their eyes because, you know, I've had this experience. Mm. So yeah, I have to say I was scared to talk about this today, but definitely God told me that it's something I need to do. So Mm. I'm just being obedient to him. Yeah, I think it's really powerful when God directs us to share things because um, we can only assume that he's got a plan for the words that we're speaking and for Mm. somebody to be hearing that and so i know that it will um mean something to somebody so thanks for being obedient in that because um yeah i don't know anybody that really loves volunteering things about themselves (laughs) i like how you described it where it's a part of your life that doesn't fit anymore yeah and i think that that's a really nice way of looking at that new creation imagery because that's actually what we're called what we should all be called almost in a way to feel there should be a part that doesn't fit because it's not who we're, who we are, who God's defined us to be. It doesn't sit with us anymore. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm taking that image away from it cause that's really helpful to sort of picture. Um, yeah. How we're not bound to the things that um, we've done necessarily that, yeah. that um, yeah, God's bigger than that. Yeah. That was actually a big part of my journey too, was being able to, um, leave it in the past really like you can bring it out and punish yourself on a daily basis if you want to but it's not going to do any good it's not going to help you be that new creation because god's already forgiven it and like you know like we said he doesn't remember it so why should we keep dragging it out yeah and living as a victim or in shame and not fulfilling what god wants for us because he doesn't want us to live like that Hmm. and what's interesting is that you're saying even sharing this could be part of his plan on on using that. And so, no, it wasn't uh, a thing that God asked you to do in the first place, but he can use all of our experiences um, for his own good yeah. and for his glory. And so I think that's really encouraging as well that yeah. it's not sort of like these are all the things that we can't talk about because God can actually turn all things for good. And yeah. so um, even being able to share that and, for this to resonate or for somebody to hear it and get something from it. Yeah. Um, He's already using those things for his own plans and purposes. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Ange, for sharing. Um, If there's anything that's kind of struck anybody or they want to learn more or talk more, Ange, would you be open to somebody coming in asking you questions or seeking you out? Yeah. I was actually going to say that I would love to talk to people who are, you know, struggling with this or anything similar, actually, because it has been such a journey for me. But 
so worth it. So I would love for other people to get help if that's what they need. So my door is always open. Mm, thanks for that, Ange. And there's also on our Young Adults page um, on the Granary website, there's an anonymous um, feedback form or a feedback form where you can fill in your name. So if there's any comments or feedback or questions or you just want prayer for something, um, that's a great place to start. You can DM or email or find me or text me. Um, we don't want anybody to feel alone and um, isolated in any of their circumstances. We're all here um, to chat. So please take, take advantage of those resources. Thanks again, Ange. That's great. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this has been eye-opening, challenging, and if you disagree with anything we've said, that you're looking to Scripture as you prepare your rebuttal. We would love to hear from you if there's anything you interpret differently, feel we've left anything unaddressed, or if you just want to hear more about what we were talking about today. Please share the episode if you found it interesting and subscribe to get notified when new episodes are published. And for more information about the podcast or Granary Young Adults, connect with us on socials at Granary Young Adults. Thank you.